Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code of Career uh, with me, Cameron Blackwood. If you aren't familiar with me already, I am a software engineer of two years experience who used to be a technical recruiter. So I've created this podcast to show both sides of the equation uh, and to help people learn some lessons on how to break into the industry and level up within it with a variety of really interesting guests. My guest today is super interesting and a really engaging guy. Uh, It's my longtime friend, Romeo. Uh, I would describe him as a digital nomad, self-employed guru, scientist, marketeer. He's a bit of everything and he's definitely worth listening to his opinions on any topic because he is a smart guy. Uh, Romeo, great to have you on, mate. Thank you. And I like that you called me a guru but at the same time i hate the term just because it's so glorified these days <laughs> yeah but when it comes to marketing I, I i don't know many better so um what for, for for the guests uh who haven't come across you before uh, what, why don't you give a quick rundown of um of who of who you are and what, what your story is so before the word entrepreneur became cool i guess i was an entrepreneur from way back when and I I think I'll get to that later on but yes I run a few businesses do a few freelance gigs here and there in terms of content creation and a little bit of uh, website design as well but yes the uh, main focus is um, like two retail businesses and I'm also a part-time cryptocurrency trader because yeah lockdown makes you uh, pick up new skills (laughs) Very much so. And who doesn't love a busy schedule, right? Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, Indeed. Uh, keep, keeps you very busy. So <laughs> ju- just to get things started, um, what with, with some quick fire questions, uh, if that's all right, what, what was your first computer uh, that you remember using? Oh, God. Uh, okay. So my first, first ever computer was back in 1997. It was a Pentium 2. Uh, yeah, it just ran like uh, I just, if you were talking about stress testing earlier before the podcast, and I stress tested <laughs> the hell out of that computer <laughs> by loading up StarCraft, uh, yeah, r- running multiple instances of paint. I, I think I deleted System 32 once. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Starcraft, yeah. that is a name I have not heard in a long time. What happened to the good re- real-time strategy games? That's what I want to know. I know, I know, man. It's a bygone era, sadly. Um, cool, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I didn't get my first computer until probably 10 years after that. So I think mine, mine would have been a little bit better. Um, but uh, yeah, so 97, you must be running Windows 95 on there. Uh, that had an absolutely classic logon sound, I remember. Yeah. I remember it yeah. very well. Um, super, super memorable, that computer. Yeah. I think I, I, I think had the first... first... The... Oh yeah, go on, sorry. I was going to say the first the first time I used computer, my dad had this uh, huge blocky one um, with uh, and and the kids will not know about this. The mouse had that ball in that you could like literally take out, and oh, yes. um, me and my brother would just take the ball out of the mouse and just chuck it right in the house. <laughs> and my parents just like how how are we using the computer? And like that bad boy ran the Pingu game like clockwork. It was a great machine. So thank you, dad, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> the kids don't know about the floppy disk anymore. Isn't yeah, the save icon. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what's interesting? I've noticed a few services have started changing that to a to, to a little cloud icon now, which is uh, it's a sign of the times, really, it isn't is it? A, it is a sign of oh man. yeah. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even know why there was a cloud icon on things, but yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense in this day and age. It does. I do have to confess, whilst I have seen a floppy disk. I have never actually used one. Uh, oh, right, I, okay. I, I was straight to US. Although I do, I was kind of a like young teenager in that weird time where everyone decided to start burning stuff onto CDs. And okay. I'm not just talking about mixtapes. I'd be like, uh, yeah, no, I've submitted my history homework uh, <laughs> on CD. <laughs> Burn the doc file and, and give it give it in. It's just, that was a, it's a weird time. Like, yes. um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so if we're talking, uh, obviously this is a big topic and we'll, we'll get into this in further detail later in the, uh, later in the, in the podcast, but what, what's your favorite tech city? Because you're a guy that's traveled pretty extensively. If we're talking practically one that I live in, it's ha- it has to be London. It has to be London. However, however, a tech city that sh- like is my actual favorite that I have not been to 
Shenzhen, hands down. Like, no, mm. not even a question. Shenzhen is one of the most technologically advanced cities in the world right now, and everything's made out there. Anything the to do choice, with... Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? But yeah. Well, it's, it's very much the hipster choice to not go San Francisco, London, Berlin. Um, one of my other guests said, uh, said Stockholm the other day, which was quite a hipster choice. Okay. Shenzhen is a very hipster choice. No, no, no. Everything's made out there. Like This, this thing that we're recording on right now, I'll, I'd say 95% of the components would be coming from Shenzhen. So... Yes, I mean, if we're talking technology, I mean, they have uh, cashierless um, supermarkets out there. Just walk in. It's kind of like the the Amazon store, but yeah, they were doing it first. So I guess I guess it is quite absurd. <laughs> it all runs through the WeChat ecosystem, doesn't it? Because oh, yes, there's been some talk, because in the West, we don't really have what you call a super app yet. And I know that's what like Revolut are trying to do right now, trying mm-hmm. to become the first super app. And just a- apparently from what I understand, I've, I've never been to China. Um, I'd be curious to go, but um, the whole tech ecosystem runs through WeChat. Like te- It's like um, WhatsApp and Monzo uh, and Booking.com all rolled mm-hmm. into one. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine, imagine paying through WhatsApp. It's kind of like that. And that's just the beginning of it all. So yeah, China's... Yeah, China's an early adapter when it comes to that. I mean, they're developing the digital yuan at the moment, which will integrate into WeChat uh, inevitably. So, yeah, it's a a crazy spot. Uh, I was supposed to move out there, but then Corona happened. So, yeah, maybe at some point, maybe, maybe at some point. Yeah, that would be a pretty awesome experience. So, if we're talking while while you are working, um, or, or or generally, are you more of a music or a podcast person when you're when you're getting things done? Uh, it's definitely music. I need something repetitive, uh, something like techno. And uh, I don't know if you know about. Do you know about the anime Initial D? That is the one with the racing and the one that goes uh, the Deja Vu song, right? Yes, yes, yes. So like, I've been listening to recently, I've been listening to a lot of Eurobeat. So it's just uh, English sentences that don't really make any sense. <laughs> and just, yeah, just repetitive things just to, you know, keep focused. Because that's actually how we met, isn't it? We met on a, uh, we met on Plug DJ, which was a kind of web app in like kind of early 2010s mm-hmm. where you could queue up and be basically the DJ for a chat room and people could listen uh, listen to people's music and rate it and, and boot, boot each other off. There's quite a lot of trolling. I remember I used to constantly play Bass Hunter and, yeah. uh, and get kicked out of our rooms. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to confirm, I, 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 totally, I totally mess with Bass Hunter, so... He's he's still a legend in my book. Oh yeah, he was always a legend. Why else would I play him? <laughs> he's still doing gigs, isn't he? I think he is. I think he's very much on the student union and Butlin circuit. But oh, you know, right. it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now you're gone will always be a great song. Um, of course, <laughs> brings you right back to 2006. So yeah, I think um, yeah, it's a funny funny sort of origin story that we met on there. It turns out we shared a ton of interests, and then. Uh, we're going and seeing. Uh, I think we saw Hardwell and Showtech um, that that summer that we uh, we actually met over there. We met up in central London yeah. and went, went and there. It was very good. Um, and I guess I already related to that. Um, I already know the answer to your next question on this. Would you say you're an early bird or a night owl? Both. I am both. Both. Interesting. Funnily, but funnily enough, I am both. There was a time where I was waking up at half four every day. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I always thought you were like an extreme night out because you were doing stuff on the Hong Kong hours for trading. Yes. Well, uh, it's, it's very versatile, my, uh, my my sleeping pattern. I do, I do go through phases where I'd wake up super early, get super productive during the day. But I also believe that the midnight oil is still quite a narrative in my life. So, yeah, I mean, whenever an idea comes up or uh, if there is work to be done, during those hours i will stay up and work but for the most part i do like i do like getting up super early and getting things done then just because i don't know there's just something about being up uh while everyone else isn't 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. And um, I, I forget his name, but uh, there's a Navy SEAL who, who's quite popular in uh, uh, Jocko something, uh, I think his name is. He talks about being up and awake before before the enemy could be awake. Uh, I mean, I, it's, a good, it's a good feeling. I can't claim to hit that feeling much because I'm quite a late riser. Uh, but when I, when I do manage to get up at sort of six and knock out a couple of hours of work, uh, it is it is quite a good result for me. Try and give it a go, man. Try, just try and vary up the routine. I feel like that is something to be explored as well. Most people would think that they are Niles, where, where when they do switch, they actually find themselves to be more productive during the day. Which, yeah, I mean, that could be that that could be something that could be you know trained and worked on. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I'm def- it's definitely kind of one of my long-term projects. I think I write better code in the morning as well, actually. And so through, throughout the day, are you more of a coffee or a tea person? For caffeine purposes, definitely coffee. But for uh, for casual purposes, I do like my bubble tea. <laughs> so yes, uh, yeah, a little bit of both, but more of a coffee guy, really. Bubble tea. No, do you make, like, is that at home or, or do you go out for that? Because I didn't even know you could make that at home. It depends. I mean, I could make it at home, but getting a tapioca uh, right, the consistency right at home, it's still a work in progress for me. So I do usually go out for it. That's pretty pretty impressive. You can even slightly make it. So that's the sort of thing I thought you'd need specialist equipment for. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. All you need is a kettle. <laughs> Very nice. I'll have to give yeah. that a go. But uh, if I burn myself, it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> um cool and what what job did you want to do as a kid what what was your dream job believe it or not i actually wanted to be a lawyer really yeah that is very unlike you mm-hmm. i mean looking back now it's it's actually quite ridiculous but i don't i don't know i guess i like to argue especially with <laughs> with teachers back in school and one of my teachers during a, a parent-teacher conference, was telling my parents, like, I think you should try and do law. And I was thinking about it, and my first reaction was, mm, maybe, probably, probably not. But then I did very well in social sciences, so I thought that was the career path for me. But I realized, actually, I don't want to be doing essays my whole life, so... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because you, you you've kind of uh, you've touched quite a lot of different areas actually. Because um, I think when I when I met you, you were still in university. I think you were doing like your uh, like a psychology degree, right? A psychology degree, yes. Yeah, and um, I think around that time, actually, I think this ties in kind of uh, with, with with your background. I think that was when you were sort of launching one of your first very first ventures, Cat's Eye, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Uh, it was a it was a business funded by the University of Leicester. And I mean, yeah, that's my top tip to anyone that is still in university listening to this. Sign up to the enterprise program or if like whatever programs they have for you to start your own business. Usually that would come with funding if they like your business idea. So if you're paying nine grand a year to go to university, why not get some money back to start your own thing and use the university's uh, reputation to launch it? And I mean, as a student, you have loads of free time as well. <laughs> let's not like, let's not get around when, when you're at uni, you're just at home watching YouTube and Netflix, getting takeaways. You might as well either learn a skill or like launch your own business. There's no better way. Plus, You've already got the market. You're already at university, so yeah, absolutely. I think I think one of the biggest uh, there's obviously a raging debate going on at the moment about whether university is worth it, and I think it can be worth it. Uh, but you have to really take advantage of the time you're having in there, and there's so so it's such a good ecosystem to start a business because, as you already mentioned, the grants, but also as well. Um, you, you have such an array of co-founders because you can sort them by what course they do uh, and that kind of thing. It, it's great. You can go into different societies. Like if you're a computer science student, you can meet someone who's doing business and, and start something together that way or vice versa. Um, like there's, there's so many different ways to meet a co-founder, different funding schemes, professors you can learn from. Like it's the sort of thing. Universities love promoting businesses uh, that are spun out from them. Uh, and we've seen lots of the most successful tech startups over the past 10 to 20 years have come out of academic institutions. 
for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, if they're going to use you as a, a product as well, because it's, it's, again, it's a two-way street. It's good for you, but it's also very good for the university. So, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Take advantage of that ecosystem. Absolutely. And Catsai itself uh, was a very cool business. I remember helping you a little bit at various events with it. So um, <laughs> why, why, why don't you describe a little bit about the whole process? Because it was quite complicated. You had import-export deals going on and uh, that sort of thing. And uh, the product itself was very interesting. I mean, it actually sounds a lot more complicated than it is. But literally, all I had to do was come up with a brand name get a logo designed, go on Alibaba, look for a product, look for like a reputable supplier, order samples. Once the samples are good, put in a bulk order. And yeah, I mean, get an e-commerce website going, get everything set up. And it's actually really straightforward and it's so much easier these days. I mean, you've got, you've got these one click uh, platforms like Shopify where you can just deploy an e-commerce website within literally 20 minutes these days. And it's just as easy as that. I mean, you can get a minimal viable product going yeah, within 20 to 30 minutes if you've got the skills and if you've got all your assets ready. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a matter of, you know, um, finding your target market and all that. But yeah, that's when it gets a little bit more complicated. But to start to start something these days, super super easy to keep it running different story yeah it's it 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 is that's very well put because uh the competition with barriers to entry being lower that's great but it means the competition is much higher and you really have to find that usp and i think uh your cat's eye branding was really cool i remember uh going to cream fields uh with you setting up that stool um sort of bombing up the motorway to to cheshire try and get there for the uh trade deadline to set up our uh our stool that um that, yeah. that that was a lot of fun a lot of good memories um and yeah I, that, that's exact kind of thing is like that you can make such amazing memories working in a business i mean it wasn't even my business i was just helping you out and uh in exchange for a free ticket and it, it's just uh, you make such great memories doing that and it's such a good experience. And it was something I had on my CV for a long time because it was just such <laughs> a good conversation uh, to have in an interview. It's like, yeah, my friend owns a, a diffraction glass. Because I don't know if we've actually mentioned the actual product. Um, diffraction glasses uh, was the product, wasn't it? Yes. So they are uh, essentially pieces of eyewear uh, that are prisms uh, to, put to, be, yeah, to be put simply. They're prisms for your eyes. So it, it has grating on it. So whenever light passes through, what you can see are like rainbows. So they're good for music festivals, fireworks displays, uh, yeah, gigs and what have you. So yeah, I mean, they're the ones that you use in school to study light. And yeah, we just used it for a rave setting. And I put, I put a cute little cat on it because, you know, the internet <laughs> likes cats. And yeah, I mean, it just kind of uh, worked for a few years. Uh, we're actually relaunching next year. We were we were gonna do it this year, but I thought with Corona and everything, I didn't mm. really want to like expose anyone to uh, to a lot of people. I mean, people would have been down to go uh, do music festivals this year, but uh, I think next year with a little bit more planning and yeah, because it does take quite a bit of logistics. But yeah, I mean, yeah, sometime next year. Cool. That sounds really good. And you, you've obviously been able to run that mostly remotely. Uh, and that, that's why, you know, like uh, in the intro, I explained how I described you as quite a digital nomad. Uh, how, how's that experience been? Because you, you've worked from different places, like you, you work from London, you work from Manila in the Philippines, like all running cat's eye. How, how, how was that experience? Is there, would you recommend it? Is there any uh, kind of lessons you've learned from doing that? I think as long as you've got the ecosystem running i mean as long as you build a really good foundation and as long as you've got very uh, trustworthy partners in terms of logistics your finances uh, if anything goes wrong you've got those point people to uh, to delegate to whilst uh, whilst you're not physically there and i think uh, like one of the things that have come out of corona is that we i think we've proven that people can work from anywhere and i mean you've got companies like ocado who are now giving uh their employees 
a month out of the year to work from anywhere in the world. So, I mean, it's actually really changed the whole uh, being in an office narrative. And I feel like we don't actually really need to be there physically anymore uh, yeah. to be um, to be productive and to be efficient. So, I mean, in terms of, I mean, in terms of sticking points while you're away, like obviously, I think it's actually a lot better if you outsource. To be honest with you, because if you're not doing the uh, shipping and handling yourself in terms of a retail brand, that that is cutting out on so much. Um, like so, so much time, uh, you don't have to line up at the post office, you know, sticking, uh, sticking, um, shipping labels. Like, once you get hundreds of orders a day, that takes a lot of time, actually. A time that you could be using growing the business uh, in other ways. But obviously, when, when you're starting out, you need to, you know, um, you need to, you know, uh, pull your sleeves up, do it yourself, but then. Once you do um, get those order quantities up, I feel like outsourcing is actually the way. Yeah, I mean, would you suggest people uh, once they have a bit of capital behind them, uh, sort of work with virtual assistants and that kind of thing? Uh, so I know people like Tim Ferriss really preach that uh, in stuff like Four Hour Work Week, which I don't. I think we might disagree a little bit on this because I did. I read it and I didn't one hundred percent buy it. If you see what I mean, mm-hmm. I thought some of some of the promises seemed somewhat unrealistic. A lot, a lot of it is wishy-washy. I mean, you have to, you have to put a sensationalist headline on everything, right? To, uh, for it to be able to sell. I mean, I mean, a four-hour work week. It's not very realistic. I mean, people, self-employed. What people don't realize is, oh yeah, I want financial freedom. I want to be in control of my own time. No, but no, actually, businesses take a lot more time. Like us people that try and avoid 40 hour work weeks end up working 80. And that's just the reality (laughs) of it. But the thing is, you're growing your company. So it is in like your best interest at the end of the day to dedicate a lot more time to it. So yeah, I mean, don't be a slave to your own company as well. That's why you can delegate. I feel like, uh, I think, I I feel like that part of the, um, um, the whole book that he was preaching, you can delegate a lot of these tasks to other people uh, for a lot cheaper. And also there are people out there who are better than you at these things. So have an idea of what you want in, uh, in terms of hiring freelancers, uh, like study the ecosystem, but also, yeah, have, um, have a little bit of like a way to navigate that ecosystem first, have an understanding and I feel like once you get that, then you can hire the best people. And I mean, coming from a recruiter, I guess like that is something that you can chime on, uh, chime in, in on as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, first off, I like how this is the first series and I've already managed to take a shot at one of the biggest podcasts in the world. So um, if by some miracle Tim is listening, Tim, I'm so sorry, I do recommend your book. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, uh, to address your point, obviously, yeah, when when I was recruiting, it's very much, you just have to, because I I specialize in recruiting for startups, um, the the importance of, of founders delegating um, and just making sure each hire adds a lot of value. You can do that on a micro level with with people that are freelancing for you. With the new employment model um, that people are doing now, uh, and you can work across borders, you don't have to have people as like PAYE um, sort of directly under you employ, um, employees. You could utilize services via stuff like Fiverr, uh, and just have people working for you on an ad hoc basis. So it's it's a clever new way of doing business. And um, I, I know like the lean startup is a popular uh, kind of mantra these days, and it's quite a good way of promoting that. If you're if you're looking to start your first business and you, you're looking to do it on a relative shoestring without having to commit, that's you know, a must can, read. I reckon uh, that yeah. book is a must read. It's a fantastic book. That and uh, the lean startup and zero to one. If anyone wants to start a business. Uh, I absolutely um, would, would, would recommend you read both those books for sure. I mean, are there, are there any others you, you'd recommend as well that would be on a must read? Okay, so I would recommend how to create a story brand, or I think it's building a story brand by Donald Miller. And it is the quintessential book for branding and marketing because that is one of the uh, one of the like biggest biggest problems that i see in either people that are way too techy or way too creative is that 
they do not know how to market themselves and that is the most important thing and essentially uh the message of the book is make your message clear when when people ask you what does your business do you need to be able to say it within five to ten seconds in like a, a real clear and concise way like if you ask me yeah, you know, like if you ask me what like what what I do for a living, it's like oh I run a I run a few businesses and I trade part time, and then you know it's it's just making your message clear. So what does your company do? You can't just put in buzzwords on buzzwords on buzzwords because people won't understand that. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's got to be clear. I mean, I've heard about I think is it called the mum test? Like where you have to basically if you you have to be able to concisely explain what your business does to your to your, to your mother. Uh, yeah. And th that's how you know it's effective and th the mission statement is clear because I think you're right. People do get muddled, um, particularly I've noticed on the technical side. And I've been guilty of this myself where even just internally just trying to explain some kind of solution to non-technical people or get way too in-depth on the most pointless stuff. And you need to practice giving a sort of sky-high view, a bird's-eye view even of, of what's going on and what the value add is. I just practice it in front of a mirror, like speak for exactly like you say, 10 seconds. The elevator pitch traditionally is 60 seconds, but you should get it down to five or 10 seconds. Really. Yeah, five, five to 10. Yeah, I mean, 60 seconds is, yeah, I mean, that 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 will actually give you time to go into a little bit more detail. But yes, I mean, like just a quick snap. It's like, okay, okay, I see. It's a good way to think of a motto that way as well. Mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, sure. Yeah, if you, if you go for the business tagline. Um, I can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but like, if you're like Facebook calling itself, I, were they the original ones to call themselves a social network? Uh, because that is an extremely good tagline, whichever, whichever. I believe so. I believe so. Cause Friendster and MySpace, I mean, while they were social networks in, in of themselves, I don't think they utilize that term. Yeah, I, I don't know if they did either, and it's a it's it's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, being able to, I mean, you know, if, if you're getting to a point where you're defining uh, a product uh, that's <laughs> so unique that it requires its own kind of industry, uh, you know, things are going pretty well for you. So if you, if you're if you're already got the next Facebook, then you don't need to listen to my advice. Certainly, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we we've talked quite a bit about self employment, uh, and generally the digital economy has been moving much more towards that and freelancing. What, what's your views on, on the future of that? Is it something you'd recommend people do? Uh, or, or is there any warnings you would have for people before they jump in? In terms of, in terms of becoming a freelancer, I mean, there's no barrier to entry. Like, uh, like we were mentioning earlier, there's literally no barrier to entry. You can become a freelancer with like, anything. Um, yeah, whether it's anything, whether it's uh, like photography, videography, uh, if you code uh, websites, if you're a designer, you can freelance just about any gig out there. However, there's also a million of you out there. So one piece of advice that I would give to people would be to incorporate yourselves as an LLC. From a practical standpoint, that in the UK costs about £14 and that uh with that comes a lot of benefits in terms of funding in terms of tax returns because every i mean every every expense is a business expense so i mean you're not paying tax on a lot of these things before working from home was a like the standard i mean your home is your office so part of your electricity is a business cost as well and people don't think about this so I mean, there's a there's there's a ton there's a ton of things that um, yeah we can go over in terms of that, but also I mean if you turn yourself into a company rather than just a freelancer, say you set up your own agency, uh, people take you a lot more seriously rather than oh yeah this guy made my website. And it's like no, actually this this website was made by this agency. So you kind of put a little bit more brand to uh, your work. Yeah, I, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think it's had so much weight behind it, especially if you're then subsequently working with other freelancers yourself, or you're doing it under an umbrella. And for those who aren't familiar, LLC is limited liability company. So um, if any company uh, in the UK has got LTD uh, or PLC for that matter, uh, after name, it basically means that uh, if you aren't familiar, it means that 
if you're the company's kind of debts and liabilities are, are its own, like someone can't, if I ran uh, my own limited company and someone sued me, they couldn't, I mean, I don't own a home, but um, they they couldn't take my sort of home that I owned or they couldn't take my car and that kind of thing uh, as as um, as payment for a debt. The debt would go with the business. So there's obviously that clear advantage that way. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, I, I think, yeah, so it's uh, LTD in the UK. Um, I'm not sure about other other places, um, but yeah, that, that's what an LLC is. If people aren't uh, people aren't familiar. Yeah. So I guess related to that as well. Um, as the economy sort of digitizes, um, we have more and more vacancies that currently can't be filled. Obviously, we understand this is a longer term project, but what kind of public and private policy do you think we can do to address the skills gap and ensure that the UK um, both stays and grows as a tech hub? I was actually thinking about this uh, during the notes and um, I was having this discussion well, with a he's a 17 year old coder in uh in chile same as ivan and we were discussing how the foundations of education is actually where it really should start and i i feel like schools should uh should at least offer um what's possible that you can do like with the technology that you have literally in your hand if there's like if there are any teenagers watching this uh, i mean there's so much you can do with your laptops and your phones that you can full-on run businesses just through that and you can actually learn from these devices as well but i mean most most of these uh, educational institutions they just don't uh, they're just so set in their ways in terms of okay this is the curriculum this is all we're gonna offer I mean, I guess it's getting better now, but yeah, I mean, it starts it starts there. I think they should at least offer uh, what's possible. Say, so, oh, actually, you can create an app uh, doing this. I mean, it, it's quite it's it, there are fun ways to get um, get kids engaged, and I mean, obviously, this comes it, it comes down to a lot more. Um, like social political uh, like <laughs> issues uh, in terms of that, but I feel like yeah, I think we start in the schools. Mm. Is it is there much of a um, of a difference? Because obviously you went to school in both the UK and the Philippines, right? Mm-hmm. So is there is there much of a difference between how uh, in the UK uh, we approach technical education uh, and how we approach it as a career uh, as a career path versus how they do in the Philippines? Do you find or, or was it pretty similar? I mean. Did you guys like in ITC? Did you guys have um? Did you guys have a, like HTML courses or anything? Because no, we... nothing. I mean, I'm 26. Um, we didn't have anything like that. We we stopped in year eight, so when we were 13. Right. Okay. Because I I actually coded my first website. Uh, I think I was 11 or 12. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, we did have a project where we had to use HTML. Uh, but then again, I was privately educated, so it might differ. However, uh, yeah, I mean, we did have IT, uh, we, we, we did have courses like that where, yeah, we learned how to code. And I think that's where my love for um, like building things kind of stemmed, really. Interesting. And do, do you think, um, do you think Manila, uh, Manila uh, could potentially emerge as a major tech hub in the future? I mean, it started as a, um, it started as a call center hub, really. That's how the... Um, that like that's how the middle class actually um like the the emerging middle class form was like all these kids from the provinces would get jobs in call centers because all of these companies from the west would outsource from there but how like however now they have been outsourcing a lot of um like i mean a lot of coding and design jobs to the philippines because wages are so cheap so yes like i believe so i believe that uh, manila has a lot i mean the, yeah the philippines in general has a lot to offer in terms of um, yeah, in terms of the um, the workforce uh, in tech, yeah, because I was wondering about that because I figured it would be uh, an ideal place to to work with a work with a team because uh, people, uh, I mean, uh, from what I understand, the levels of uh, people, a lot of people speak English, and um, there's a lot of engineers out there, so it would be a great place to work with a team uh, if you're maybe working with a team of freelancers, for example. For sure, for sure. 
And I, funnily enough, like in, in the world of cryptocurrencies, um, there's this game called Axie Infinity at the moment. And like because of lockdown, a lot of people were like obviously left jobless and um, they've been earning quite a bit of money just playing this cryptocurrency game. To now where people are, because um, the, um, the barrier to entry has become a lot higher. So uh, people would actually outsource um, people playing the game uh, to people in the Philippines <laughs> because yeah they'd fund them they, they fund it themselves and yeah they just take a profit share which is yeah I mean it's a it's a crazy world man it's funny how work evolves imagine trying to tell someone that even 20 years ago that yeah I work with a team in the Philippines who play a game on my behalf which rewards me with digital currencies yeah, and that digital currency is being accepted as a payment method in some shops as well. Yeah, and it also lurches by, <laughs> it lurches by 50% every other week. So I try not to think about the value of my portfolio. <laughs> the, the thing is, this isn't actually very new. This isn't actually very new. Like one of my first businesses as a teenager was selling uh, like online currency from like video games. So, I mean, my, my, my actual foundation for business was through these um like online like mmorpgs so i mean it's it's not actually it's not actually new i mean i guess you could have called it a cryptocurrency back then but the the term i don't think was invented yet no and i guess it wasn't held on a on a blockchain or a decentralized network no uh but yeah, yeah. i mean i mean chinese gold farmers were always a thing in world of warcraft yeah and, that's yeah. right wasn't it you just pay someone to basically earn a new xp on yeah. i never played world of warcraft but yeah mm -hmm. it's a strange one and then you just buy like a high-end account of them yeah yeah i mean yeah i, I sold gold myself and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah i actually bought my first laptop using world of warcraft gold money so yeah i mean that that's one way to say to your parents yeah I, yeah no, no, no get out of my room i'm earning money <laughs> playing some playing some world of warcraft <laughs> Yeah, just get your parents to set up a PayPal account for you. Yeah. And yeah, just yeah, just make some money out there. There's so many ways, so many ways to make money off the internet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the older generation doesn't need to understand. I mean, it's a new world and it's ours. And I feel like there are there are opportunities out there and they're plentiful. Like you said, there's like tons of jobs that can't be filled, which is quite insane. Which is quite insane. But that's I feel like I feel like that's due to uh, people uh, wanting to become self-employed and being in control of their own time. And yeah, I mean, with great power comes great responsibility and like time is your most valuable asset. So like if you do go down that route, try to use it properly because it's so easy to slack off. I know I did start, but I mean, yeah, it comes down to the discipline, I guess, as well and you know having a routine and all this so yeah it's by by far no means it's by no means easy but very doable very doable yeah that's uh yeah i totally agree and i think viewing time as a economic resource is a useful way of thinking about things where you know you can think okay well I, i'm i'm gonna re uh, scheduling in time to relax and that sort of thing is very important but just make sure you're either relaxing or working like don't do some weird half half thing where you've got four tabs open on your computer and you're telling yourself you're working but actually you're only working 40 percent capacity four tabs man i see some people with like so <laughs> many tabs open i don't even know how i don't i don't know how do you keep that many tabs open yeah, well, we were just talking about how your computer is uh, like shutting down if you have yeah. more than three Chrome tabs. I mean, <laughs> Google Chrome will destroy your computer if you're not careful in general. Oh, like, you, sure. I, I, you could be running like a NASA supercomputer or large Hydron Collider, and then Google Chrome will probably break it. Brave browser is the one. It, it is, but that runs on Chromium. To be fair, so oh, it, it is, it is Chromium, Chrome yeah. under the hood. But yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah that's true. Brave browser, I I highly recommend as well because. Um, the economic model of being paid for your attention to advertisements is, in my opinion, the future of consumer advertising, because if they're going to use our data and they're going to use our attention, we should at least be compensated for it. Because always remember, if you are not paying for something, you are the product. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, tip for you as well. I mean, uh, you were saying that you were running a YouTube channel. Uh, sign up as a brave creator. 
So people I already have. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. There you go. It's a bit cheeky, but I've been tipping myself a bit of bat every now and again. There you go. There you go. You have to. You have to. Yeah. Just yeah. get the get the wallet working, but um, exactly. yeah. So I've signed up as a creator there, and I think it's a great model for those who aren't familiar. It distributes cryptocurrency to creators that you uh, provide attention towards. So if you and it's got an ad blocker built in, so you don't get ads and stuff like YouTube. But your favorite YouTube, if they're signed up as a uh, as a creator, they'll be assigned um, some what we call basic attention token uh, cryptocurrency. So it's a great way to support people, and you can make one off donations as well that way, and you, you earn them by viewing advertisements on a platform. So yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough. And if Brave are listening, then please do sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get a deal with, the, I guess, Crypto.com or like one of these, um, yeah, one of these um, like cryptocurrency platforms just because, oh yeah, that's that's another thing. Uh, if you are if you are self-employed and uh, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to start with to get a reliable income. So one, um, one way to earn supplemental income would be through affiliate links. Uh, before, I mean, influencers were a thing. I mean, affiliate marketing, marketing has always been a thing. And that will always be a thing. So, I mean, you can mo- literally earn money off anything. If you use a product, especially to do with tech, um, you can create an Amazon link and share that with like, your friends and your audience. And yeah, you can make a little bit of beer money here and there. But like it, it is a business model in of itself. But yeah, I mean, it's another form of supplemental income. That that was how I earned my first ever um, money myself. Uh, was I ran a blog about ice hockey, which is a sport I love, and uh, I ran a blog about it. And uh, yeah, had a, had a like UTM link set up to a t-shirt store, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'd earn sort of like not much, like five pounds every time someone bought t-shirts. I think I maybe maybe like a. a 20 people bought things through through the store so um you know i think i think i spent it on a couple of playstation games i must have been about 15 yeah um, i mean that's 100 uh, yeah. quid as a 15 year old it's a lot of money man yeah exactly yeah um and it was certainly easier than the other thing i did which was mowing lawns it's much easier to watch an ice hockey match and then type up a match report uh and then uh, post it up because you enjoy doing it anyway so yeah um that should, like if any if any people are listening to this particularly younger people that are worried about about it just, just start like seriously just start like you just got to put yourself out there um and enjoy it and you know you, you're in such a unique position to to learn and that that was kind of going to be my final question for you Romeo I mean we're kind of zillennials in the sense that we're kind of in the middle of the, <laughs> those two generations um what would you say to someone who's sort of gen z like sort of kind of getting to university age now what would be your kind of career slash business advice for them Okay, so if you absolutely have to go to university, whether if it is for uh, qualification's sake or your parents are absolutely forcing you to, just go and do it. it is a, like, it's a really good experience. And, I mean, you do take out a student loan and what have you. But like I said earlier, uh, it is a very good e- ecosystem to get your base started and to get funding. Uh, through university so uh, i would still go uh, given the chance and if it's um if it makes financial sense i would still go uh the, the people that you meet as well and the mentors that you get from university uh, yeah and that, like yeah i mean priceless really but but if you're going down this route of actually i don't need to go to university or I actually can't afford it don't go Anything that you get, like, anything that you want to learn is on the internet, really. I mean, you can you, you can do full on university courses uh, on the internet. I mean, m- most of my uh, most of my practical like coding and like Photoshop experience, uh, color correcting and what have you, well, just learn it off YouTube. I mean, there's so many resources out there. So, I mean, as a kid, I guess it's about managing your time as well and yeah, that's going to be difficult. There's so many distractions. There's, uh, there's friends, there's girls, you know, you expect you, you're, you know, experiencing life, but yeah, you got a lot of time to actually try and learn a skill, um, and differentiate yourself from the people out there. Cause everyone and their mother has a two one these days. Like if you, like, you, you, 
I mean, you, you, you get a 2 1, and then what? With no practical experience, you don't do anything with your university experience, then how the hell are you going to stand out, right? The, the amount of 2 1s, yeah, like the 2 1s for you society CVs that you've th- probably, uh, you know, put to the side, countless, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I I did graduate recruitment for a little while, and it is hard to differentiate because we're very lucky to have some fantastic academic institutions in this country. And people come out of them and they have a great CV, but you have to do something that looks different, like start a business uh, of some kind, like do something a bit different. Like, no, you don't have to get stuck in this 24-7 hustle culture. You don't, but just like still see your see your mates and 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 play a sport or play an instrument you know but you just also try and do something that makes you stand out it doesn't have to make money i think that is the critical thing that i'd want to drive home like you know i know people that start adventures and lost money but it got them a job down the line because it showed uh, it showed a bit of um or, or uh, like tenaciousness uh and um and entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurial spirit that people like to see and just do something that makes you a bit different like something that would work really well like i i did a job abroad uh in the czech republic when i was uh 19 mm. um and it was really hot i was sunburned all the time uh couldn't understand anything anyone was saying in the office uh and i absolutely hated it um, I've removed it from my LinkedIn, didn't enjoy it at all. Um, but I actually got my first grad job um, because apparently what made me look different was apparently, oh, he went and worked in the Czech Republic when he was 19. Uh, that, that, that takes some guts. And so even if, uh, even if the experience doesn't feel great, then it, you never know what can come out of it. For sure. Yeah, just do something. Just do something. Work on a project. Say build an app or something. Even if it doesn't, even if you get three downloads and one of which is, you and your mom i mean it's it's yeah. something right it's something and down the line you're gonna it is gonna pay off in dividends really yeah and with, with cloud computing like you don't really have to pay very much if only like two people are downloading it that's great like you have auto scaling on so if it goes viral that's fine mm-hmm. but the thing is you've got nothing to lose you're not having to hand build a server like our our predecessors were like I say hand built. Obviously, <laughs> they're not literally there with that with, with 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 the blowtorch, like making bare metal frames. What I mean is, like, you're not you don't have physical servers, um, you know, in your in your bedroom and that kind of thing. We are so lucky to have to have these uh, solutions uh, there for us with free tiers. The amount of stuff you can create with free tools uh, is unbelievable, and it can land you a really awesome job or springboard into an amazing entrepreneurial opportunity. So. Yeah, I mean the the world the world's your oyster, and uh, you know make, make sure you make the most of uh, your time if you are in university right now. Uh, but make sure you have fun too, because I'm sure we can both testify we both have fun. But um, yeah, we uh, yeah, um, it's it's always good to get involved in something a bit different, something that makes you stand out, because it's a very competitive job market for juniors and grads. Yes, for sure. And I feel like one of the uh, most redeeming qualities about um, I mean. Uh, future entrepreneurs is that curiosity of finding out how things work, how they're built, and how to do things. But the differentiator between the good ones and the people who actually make it is the people who act on this curiosity. And I feel like once you do act on it, like the first thing you're going to put out there, it's going to be sh- this is uh, i'm gonna have to beat that this is a uh, this is gonna go on linkedin and stuff oh right okay well yeah it's, it's gonna be it's not gonna be very good like the first thing that you put out there is is not gonna be the best you can be a perfectionist all you want and you can make the excuse that actually like it's not perfect yet i don't really want to put it out there just put it out there man just put it out there uh, get the feedback and then improve on it. There's like that's why they call it a minimal viable product. Is because you just you just need to get it to work first and get people interested and get people to say, oh, actually, you can improve on this or that. Or you, down the line, while you're in the shower, you might think, oh, actually, you get that light bulb moment. I could add this functionality, or I could move the um, like I I, I could move the hamburger menu a few inches. Things like that. And yeah, I mean, incremental. It's, it's very incremental. People, people say all the time, it's a marathon, not a race. It's a damn marathon. And <laughs> like, you have to, you're going to have to learn how to crawl first. 
you know, like your first, yeah, your first venture. I mean, it might be a success. It might not be. If you're lucky, it will be. But you know, you're never gonna know until you try. Well, I guess uh, always a good way to to end end this kind of discussion would be. I I, I forget the guys. Is it Max Levchin, um, one of the co-founders of PayPal? His most famous quote is that his first four companies ended in a bankruptcy, and the fifth was PayPal. Jeez. Like, you know, it's about learning and you learn from, you can learn from failure and, um, you know, you either, you either, you either win or learn, right? Life's, life's full of lessons. That's actually, that actually puts things into so much perspective. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's having that grit uh, of, you know, going through those failures as well and learning from those, um, from those failures. But I mean, there's a lot of people failures that you can learn from that you don't have to replicate yourself i feel like some people are quite stubborn that they actually have to fail themselves but you don't actually have to there's a lot of there's a lot of mistakes that have been made and you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna make mistakes don't get me wrong um yeah it's it's never gonna be perfect we're all trying to strive for that perfection that will never be achieved but all you can do is uh your best really and you know Equip yourself. Yeah, just. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, just, just go to the library. Um, right, you know, right now, go to the library. I don't care if it's closed. Kick the door down and just get out the lean startup and uh, read that book because it, it will confirm exactly what me and Romeo are saying. And um, you know, <laughs> it comes with, with more credentials as well. So it, it's yeah, um, should definitely do that. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying. Just- I mean, the resources are out there, like you were saying, and, you know, just uh, just go out there, equip yourself with these resources, and go out in the world. It sounds super wishy-washy, but it's sort of like the most practical advice I can give. <laughs> wishy-washy is the best way to, uh, to end the podcast. Go out there and do it. Make your dreams come true. Achieve the impossible. Uh, this has been Cameron and Romeo, but Ro- Romeo, thank you so much for your time, mate. It is, and I mean this sincerely, it is always a pleasure uh, catching up with you and putting the world to rights. And I think had I not um, put sort of a rough time limit on this in my head, this could have gone on for 10 hours and I think I would have uh, ruined my Zencaster free tier plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that you're doing this podcast as well, like you were saying. I mean, you, you've had this idea for years and I'm actually glad that you've acted on it. So, you know too many more episodes and yeah i mean if you'll have me back on maybe in a few years you know that that should be that should be quite good it'd be a pleasure mate and uh yeah it'd be really good and yeah thanks again and um for those of you who've made it this far to the end of the podcast i just want to say a massive thank you for listening uh you can check us out on youtube uh this has been cameron with the code career helping you break into the tech industry and level up and until next time goodbye cheers see ya bye